Hey everybody, it's Chris. If you're a sports fan like me, or you're just a fan of a great story, you gotta check out Press Box Access, a sports history podcast hosted by Todd Jones. Todd sits down with fellow sports writers who experienced firsthand some of the biggest sports moments of the past 50 years, and they share some of the stories behind the stories, some of which they've only told to each other. What I personally love are the wild stories that you might not hear so much about on SportsCenter over the years. Like when Indiana-based sports journalist Bob Kravitz recounts the time Bobby Knight showed up naked to an office meeting with him and then banned him from the Hoosiers' locker room for the next three years because Bob wrote a story he didn't like. Or when Alexander Wolfe tells a story about going out on the town in Chicago with Dennis Rodman and Carmen Electra in the middle of a Bulls playoff series. Or when Dan Wetzel talks about what it was like to be in the media room when Temple basketball coach John Chaney stormed into UMass coach John Calipari's press conference after a game and threatened to kill him. These wild and fun stories, paired with stories about real sports greatness, you know, like the 1970s Steelers being the greatest NFL dynasty ever, or the legendary rivalry between Larry Bird and Magic Johnson, and even the impact of protests for social justice issues in sports, make Pressbox Access a show you should check out. Pressbox Access is part of the Evergreen Podcast family, and it's available all the places you get your pods, and you can also find Pressbox Access on YouTube. Go check it out. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Blending influences from around the globe, Pittsburgh's own Rusted Root made their mark on music history with their unforgettable 1992 hit, Send Me On My Way. This joyous tune only hit number 72 on the Billboard Hot 100, but the song's prominence in movies, TV, and commercials has eclipsed its initial chart performance. This week, we'll dive further into the story and back catalog of Rusted Root to decide if we'd like to hold their little hand or tell them to run. One hit is all you need To make the money guaranteed And you can live off royalties Forever And it makes me wonder Is it just a wonder Or is it one hit thunder Well, a bubba see bubba to you, Matt We're here today to talk about Rusted Root And I want to know Do you want to hold your little hand? I always want to hold my little hand. I'd like to hold my little hand. Chris, this is going to be an interesting one because, you know, these guys come from your your area. They sure do. This is the sound of Pittsburgh, Matt. This is what it, this is what it sounds like when you're in uh, the Steel City. 
Well, see, this is the thing that I was going to say, because you're being a little a little uh, fictitious here. No. But what I will say is that Rusted Root probably performs the type of music that I like way more than you, which is like the similar sounds of like bands like Dispatch and OAR and all of those other folky bands with a lot of world music influence mixed into it. I like Rusted Root way better than than any other band in that world, for sure. Yes. But but for sure of the two of us, I am the one that is way more plugged into that style of music. Okay. Well, let's get one thing out of the way right now. I don't know if she's listening because I think she told me she may have gotten off of uh, social media. I ran into her at a show. But Jen Wirtz from Rusted Root was a member of the One Hit Thunder Facebook group when, you know, in our early years of the podcast. And I remember that someone had posted Send Me On My Way in the group. And I think she took a little bit of, of offense to it because, you know, I think that she was looking at the one hit wonder thing more as like a flash in the pan sort of thing where they're not that at all. They're a long running band who had one song that sort of rose above the rest. But if we're being honest here, (laughs) send me on my way is one of those songs that kind of became a hit later because it only went to number 72 on the hot only 72. It's more about the TV and film appearances for this song. I think now I actually went back and looked for that comment to try to find it. Okay. And it's still up there. And I think at the time we took it as she had taken more offense to it than she actually had. She said something along the lines of one hit wonder or not, that song opened up doors for world tours. Yeah. And she said something like, all that matters is the is the loyal fan base more than the hits. Right. And I was like, I think that there's a lot of truth in that because that is Ultimately, the difference to bring up one of our friends' bands versus a band that wrote to us, it's the difference between Weedus and BB Mac. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? <laughs> like, I'm sure that if BB Mac announced that they were doing a tour, there are going to be people who grew up listening to boy bands in the early 2000s who love back here, and that's going to be like a super exciting thing. But I don't think it's quite the same as like, you know, our friends in Wheatus had like multiple sold out shows in Europe just a couple weeks ago where it's like and that, you know, bands of almost equal level. Technically, Wheatus probably a lower ranking one hit wonder than BB Mac chart wise. But sure. alas, if you keep up the heart, my point being, if you keep going, if you keep being known for stuff like an eccentric, interesting sound and a great live show. All you need is that one that one get in to the door moment and your career is still set for 20 plus years. And send me on my way was that for Rusted Root. And oh, speaking send, of- send them on their way. It most certainly did. Yes, it did. And Matt, earlier today, I don't know if you watched it, but I sent you a, Amazing. a YouTube link <laughs> of them playing send me on my way at woodstock 99 <laughs> and the only band at woodstock 99 that sounded like what the sounds of woodstock was supposed to sound right like. and i couldn't <laughs> i couldn't help but laugh i mean it is a perfect performance i would almost argue go watch it it is like 
maybe better than the recorded version. It is yeah. flawless. It is so good. But I had to laugh to myself, much the way we were talking about James Wade. Yeah. <laughs> that picturing the crowd at Woodstock 99, like when the song kicks in and gets all, gets all crazy and the penny whistle solo really starts going nuts. I love picturing the crowd starting to riot and burn things. <laughs> <laughs> and picturing Michael Glabicki like out there crowd surfing on a giant piece of wood or something. Uh, that would have been incredible. But you're right. Rusted Root is what should be playing at Woodstock 99, not Limp Bizkit. 100%. And I, I will say this is going to sound like a diss. I'm just stating a fact. Watching that video, Rusted Root looks exactly like what you think the members of Rusted Root would look like. Absolutely. Got, yeah, uh, there's no there's no one where you're surprised that they're a member of Rusted Root in that performance. I cannot wait to talk about the origins of this song. Now, this song, they they wrote this song. I imagine they wrote it in probably 91 or 92. They released their debut album, Cruel Sun, in 1992. And this song was on it. Not the version... Yeah. That we all know, but the first... Like the demo almost, the, yeah. The first version of the song. And I read this thing. It was from the interview with Michael Glabicki, the lead singer. And he talked about how <laughs> he remembers walking into the studio the day they wrote the song. And there were big windows and the sun was shining in. And you could really feel the happiness in the room. Just a super happy feeling. And one of the things that's... I, I already brought it up. That's so memorable about this song is the penny whistle. The penny whistle yeah. is a huge part of this song. And um, it's played by John Bynack. They call him Johnny B. But uh, it was the most famous penny whistle solo since Morris Goldberg used one on Paul Simon's You Can Call Me Al. But uh, <laughs> the way that Michael describes it, he said that when you visited uh, Johnny B's house, it was like visiting the Hobbit. He just had lots of toys laying around, flutes, saxophones, penny whistles, little percussion things. And then he said that the first time that Johnny B heard this song, Send Me On My Way, he picked up the penny whistle and started doing a funny little dance and having fun. And then Jen Wirtz, our friend Jen Wirtz, started going, on my way, on my way. Yeah. And I just picture this moment. Most Could you imagine being in that room when this song started to, <laughs> to take shape and people were doing funny little dances? I can imagine people were breaking out the devil sticks. I'd be over there. Me and my friends would be over there hacky sacking, just dancing, having the great, the greatest time. This is on your hacky sack playlist, right? Oh, absolutely. Um, I, I agree. Like, I think part of it is that this song at its core not even looking at it from a lyrical standpoint is one of the most like overwhelmingly joyful songs I can think of. Like when I think one. of like, can yeah, you think like of when a I, more joyful song? I don't know if I can. I don't know if I can either. It's just so exuberant and, and big and fun. I have a question for you though, Chris, because something I read here, I'm not from Pittsburgh. You're from Pittsburgh. It says that the band got their start as the house band playing a weekly gig at Jack's back room on the South side of Pittsburgh. Do you know Jack's back room at all? Wow. Or is that like long gone? I didn't know that. I mean, there's a bar called Jack's that I've been to. It's right by club cafe. Now I wonder if at the time 
if Club Cafe was Jack's back room. I, I don't know. That's it's a little bit before my time. I mean, if we're talking early nineties, I'm Yeah, this would have been early nineties. Yeah, for I'm like sure. eleven or twelve years old. I'm not really going out to the I wasn't sure clubs. if it was like a main staple that's like still there that people are like, Oh, Jack's back room, that's well, the big spot. Jack's is definitely still there. And then there's a, a place where I've played shows, Club Cafe, which is just a a little small bar and venue that's like right around the corner from Jack's. So I don't know if that's what it's referring to, but yo, something you might not know. So I got to talk about the lineup of rusted root real quick. First of all, everybody, I love that everyone is listed as percussion. Yeah. <laughs> seven, seven members at this time. Everybody it's, has at least, at least percussion <laughs> noted. It's it's there's only two bands I can think of like that, Chris. It's Rusted Root and Slipknot. Both oh, wow. who I think are very similar in sound. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So you had Liz Berlin on percussion, drums, hand drums, and vocals. Now Liz Berlin, now I don't know if you've ever been there, Matt, but her and her husband, Mike Speranzo, purchased Mr. Smalls in two thousand. Have you ever been to Mr. Smalls? I have heard about Mr. Smalls, and I'm trying to... If I was ever at Mr. Smalls, it would have been for a Punchline show, and I don't think you guys have played there since you and I have done this podcast. Uh, Maybe not, but we've played lots of shows there over the years. It's actually, when they were first building it, there was a a recording studio there, and we recorded the Rewind EP there. uh, That's why I knew the name, because I listened to a band called Punchline whenever an episode drops. Yep. We talked about Liz Berlin on there. Uh, Johnny B, John Byneck, is on percussion, drums, vocals, wind instruments, and hand drums. Uh, Jim Donovan on percussion, drums, and hand drums. Jim Donovan on percussion, drums, and hand drums is part of a band called Jim Donovan and the Sun King Warriors. Michael Globicki, of course, is the lead singer on guitar and vocals. Patrick Norman on percussion, bass, sitar, and vocals. Uh, Jen Wirtz, of course, on percussion and vocals. And Jim Disparito on percussion and hand drums. This was the lineup around the time of this song. And even though Michael Globicki wrote the lyrics, they are all credited as songwriters on this song. They all share in it. And I'm glad for that, A, because of the story that you've told where it does sound like this is like as true of a collaboration as as it could be. It sounds like Mike was just like playing around with a guitar riff on the guitar and then everyone just started like joining in and, and creating creating the sound. <laughs> <All in> the <laughs> way. But also because the music, not that I think that the lyrics are bad, not that I think that the vocals are bad, but when people think about this song... They're thinking about the music of this song and the penny whistle solo and that guitar riff. And like you said, the background vocals doing the home away like that, I think, is what hooks people into this song. But this song, it came out on that original album and they sold a hundred thousand copies of that album before they got signed to a major. A hundred thousand. That's a lot. That's a lot. And then it led to them signing to Mercury Records, a major label. And then their second album, the platinum selling When I Woke, came out two years later. And that's with the version of Send Me On My Way that we all know. Now, this When I Woke album was produced by Bill Bottrell, who was Sheryl Crow's collaborator on her debut album, Tuesday Night Music Club, which I believe you are a fan of, right? It's it's a great. I'm a fan of Sheryl Crow in general. Those first three albums are absolutely worth listening to. Rusted Root. Yes. So this so, song, it peaked at number seventy two on 
September 23rd, 1995. And yes, we all know that a lot of the success came after because of placements of this song. But when it comes to the charts, what what did you do different? I I, I marked down the charts for this day, but what do you want to note about them? Well, first I put down where what it was sandwiched between at 72 to kind of... This song is way more famous than the two songs it was sandwiched between as far as I'm concerned. At 71 was On the Down Low by Brian McKnight, a song that I have no knowledge of. Okay. And Sentimental by Deborah Cox, okay. uh, another song that I really don't know. So this song, for being low in the charts, has way more staying power than what it was around. Number one song in America at the time, Coolio's Gangsta's Paradise. This oh, yeah. is like peak Coolio. Instead of doing what was like the top 10 there, I actually just wanted to write down everything that was like an alternative song that made it onto the Hot 100 Okay, in their placement. So this was on alternative radio. I think that some of these groups fall into the exact same category as them. So like alternative, alternative with quotes here. The highest charting alternative song at that time based on that structure was at number 12 was Blues Traveler's Runaround. Which makes sense, you know. Yeah, same vibe. Yeah. Um, An episode we've already done, Del Armitri with <laughs> Roll to Me was at Take 16. Take a drink. Take a drink, everybody. <laughs> yeah, there we go. One of my favorite songs of all time at number 17 was Natalie Merchant Carnival. Oh, yeah. Love Natalie. Um, number 24, I'm curious if you know this song because you probably won't know it by the title. Collective Soul December. Yeah, I know that song. Yeah. Don't come around, oh baby, just slip me oh, yeah, out. Of course. Of <laughs> course. That's crazy that song's called December. Yeah. It's because at the very end, the like end, the outro of the song, it's like December promise you gave unto me. Oh. December whispers of <laughs> treachery. I, um, I, I wish the reason it was called December is because at the end they went bump ba da da bump. December. <laughs> <laughs> Another song that I love from the 90s at 42, Bush Come Down. So this yeah. was like early on Bush blowing up. I think that this song deserves way more respect than it ever gets. At 47 was Lisa Loeb in the Nine Stories with Do You Sleep. Oh, yeah. Her other hit. Better Than Ezra Good was at 48. Another artist that we've covered, Deep Blue Something with Breakfast at Tiffany's was at 54. You Too, Hold Me, Thrill Me, Kiss Me, Kill Me from the Batman Forever soundtrack right. was at number 69. At 63 was Sponge, Molly, 16 Candles. Oh, yeah. A group that I can't believe we haven't done yet because we mention them all the time, but Everything But the Girl Missing, oh. 77. Um, which, side note, I think I've said this before. I thought the lyrics to that song as a kid were like the devil misses the rain. Um, <laughs> makes no sense. To me. <laughs> Here's one of those weird double A sides. And I'm curious what's your fa what song you prefer of these two. At 93... Pearl Jam, and it was a double A side of Jeremy and Yellow Lead Better. I don't know what Yellow Lead Better is. You definitely know Yellow Lead Better. So when people make fun of Pearl Jam for like having absolutely unintelligible songs, it's usually that song that they're thinking of. Uh, but it was like, but where was everything? Oh, okay, right, 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 right. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I know that song. I think I like that song more than Jeremy, I think, which is um, crazy. But No, I like Jeremy better. <laughs> uh, and then the last two I have here, Matthew Sweet, Sick of Myself at Ooh. 94. And um, my personal favorite song by this group, Letters to Cleo, Awake at oh, 98. Very nice. <laughs> um, it's wild that 
you know, they released the most joyous song we could possibly think of at the time where, I mean, Nirvana is happening at this point, right? No, 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 no. This is, well, depending on, I mean, we're saying this chart's 95. So Kurt Cobain's definitely gone by then because he died in 94. Oh, this is 95. Um, Okay. Yeah. Album Uh, was released in 94, single dropped in 95. I'm thinking about 90. My head is still in 1992 because that's when they first recorded. Yeah. Yeah, Now I I see right here, 1995. Yeah. And also, Matt, this is the era of waterfalls from TLC. Yeah. I can love you like that from all for one. I got five on it is popular at this time. Um, Oh, yes. (laughs) Only want to be with you from Hootie and the Blowfish. Love. I've seen Hootie live. He's great. (laughs) I mean, there is so much, um, you know, horde festival type music that's popular in this mid 90s very friends i don't know if friends was on. friends was probably on by 19 friends was chris not only was friends on when we're talking about things where this move this song appeared in it was in party of five like okay. it's like that perfect era of like the teen drama is like starting to come back a little bit friends was on until 2004 so this was Year two, probably, of Friends. Okay. This is absolutely... Which, which friend do you think was most likely listening to Rusted Root? Phoebe. Duh. I'm asking that <laughs> question in my head. I'm thinking Ross, but yes, obviously Ross? it's Phoebe. Why would you think Ross? I don't know. Ross seems like a dude who would get real into Rusted Root at some point in his life. Yeah, I think Joey would probably be too. No way, Joey. I would say no, Joey? maybe Chandler. Okay. I would say definitely Phoebe, though. Phoebe 1,000% is a Rusted Root fan. Phoebe was going to the 1996 Horde tour. Yeah, which let's featured, talk about the Horde tour. <laughs> which featured Rusted Root, Blues mm-hmm. Traveler, Dave Matthews Band, Lenny Kravitz, G-Love and Special Sauce, and Natalie Merchant. Matt, would you buy Perfect a ticket lineup. for the Horde tour 1996 right now? <laughs> I'd buy a ticket for that in 2023 right now. Yeah. Like, like, I'm going to that. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I'm not going to lie here. I've become a factor fanatic lately. I'm a busy guy and getting to eat restaurant quality meals that are ready to heat and eat in two minutes has been amazing. Eating better is easy with Factor's delicious, ready-to-eat meals. Every fresh, never-frozen meal is chef-crafted, dietitian-approved, and ready to go in just two minutes. You have 35 different options to choose from every week, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. And also, there are more than 60 add-ons to help you stay fueled up and feeling good all day long. I've been spreading the word to everyone I know, not just here on the podcast, but in person as well. Factor is the perfect solution if you're looking for fast, premium options with no cooking required. You get as much or as little as you need by choosing your meals every week. Plus, you can pause or reschedule your deliveries anytime. And the math doesn't lie. Factor is less expensive than takeout. Plus, considering every meal is dietitian approved, it's also nutritious and delicious. So what are you waiting for? Get started today by heading to factormeals.com slash one hit 50 and use the code one hit 50 to get 50% off. That's code one hit 50 
the words one hit and the number 50, that is, at factormeals.com slash one hit 50 to get 50% off. 91 Donkey Lane is a magical apartment complex that contains immense power, but lacks intelligent inhabitants. What is happening? I'm getting texts. Why are we getting a lot of texts? People found out what we did. Oh, dividing Mike Myers into an infinite amount of tiny Mike Myers. Listen to 91 Donkey Lane for free on Spotify or your favorite podcasting app. More at 91donkeylane.com. See you there, you donkeys. Chris, you know, we talked about, I, I think... We need to express how special this song is, though, because like we said, it was in Party 5. Probably the most iconic use for a lot of people is in either Matilda, yep. if they were old enough to be watching Matilda, or Ice Age a couple years later is like the traveling music anytime they were walking in Ice Age. But the thing that I thought was the most interesting thing I read about this song is that NASA engineers yes. chose this song as the wake-up music for their Mars exploration rover. Right. Because they just, I mean, what better song could you wake up to than this? Yeah. I mean, in January 2004, they successfully landed on Mars and began the exploration. And the mission control at the Jet Propulsion Lab in Pasadena needed to select wake up music to go with the robot's travels. And yes, what else are you going to pick other than send me on my way? It makes sense. It's joyous. And you're sending. That rover on its way. It makes sense. Uh, they yeah. used it to get the mission going. I love that. I hope that there's videos of this Mars rover just like cruising across the surface of Mars with this song just blasting the whole it, time. It has to exist. And speaking of videos, Matt, we got to talk about the music video for this song. It's amazing. It was filmed in in the Badlands of South Dakota, and it is just as joyous as you would imagine. It is seven people, seven of the most hippie people you've ever seen in your life, dancing, smiling, having the best time. And I mean, I don't mean to assume anything about Rusted Root, but if all these people aren't tripping their asses off like... <laughs> At all times throughout the 90s, I'm going to be shocked. Actually, I'll be impressed if they are doing this without any hallucinogens, but I would be not shocked whatsoever if there were lots and lots of hallucinogens involved. Yeah. No, I mean, and I again, I think that there's... There, I, I almost think... How do I word this? So Mike Lebicki talks about how, like... The, the success of Peter Gabriel's album So uh -huh. and its usage of world music was really like a huge inspiration on him and his sound. Oh. But but I think at its core, Rusted Root, unfortunately, we've said this before, it rarely pays to be the first person to do something. Mm -hmm. I think that they hit on a sound that was very unique for them in like the early 90s we're talking like even before the song became a radio hit like uh, when they were doing this in the early 90s and and that cruel sun album think about all of the bands that became huge inspired by this sound because i see in my brain i'm like dave matthews band i think takes a little bit of influ influence from this bands like guster and like i said oar and dispatch like there's no way that those bands don't have Rusted Root somewhere in their list of bands that inspired them where it's like these acoustic guitars and like the hand drums and like random 
world music instruments mixed into like a very like funky groovy uh, acoustic sound like it's a bummer because you know now those bands dave man i think i read the other day that dave matthews band is in 2023 still one of the highest paid artists every single year because of its like loyal grateful dead slash fish like following that it has right and it's like rusted root deserves that same level of well, like diehards that follow them around and that they just can continue to play and have their jam sessions and create this like overwhelmingly joyous happy music i wonder now Keep in mind, Matt, Rusted Root are no slouches. They definitely have a following. They have eight albums, and they've sold over three million albums. Oh, that, for sure. That's but nothing I, to sneeze I, at, you know? No, listen. I mean, you can say it. You wish that you, <laughs> like, you'd kill to have a hit and yeah, have that. Sure. Um, I mean, I love, I have three Rusted Root albums, and I like all of them quite a bit. Um, all of them have been purchased at the CD warehouse in Pittsburgh. Nice. Greensburg. <laughs> but, you know, Greensburg. Greensburg. Sorry, let yeah. me Greensburg. Um, but like even their second album, uh, or I mean, When I Wake is their, or When I Woke was their second album. Their third album, their third album actually ends with a really cool cover of them doing You Can't Always Get What You Want oh. by the Rolling Stones. So like, they were just an interesting unique band but they took weird chances like i i love this group i feel like i'm showing my hand a little too early on where i'm leaning on well, the thunder blunder side of this but a couple things <laughs> like, you're asking why they didn't have the success of a band like dave matthews band i mean part of that is just business like maybe yeah. dave matthews band were very good at promoting themselves or whatever but also you know, I went down the Rusted Root rabbit hole a little bit. I recognized the song Ecstasy. Yep. That's one I was like, oh, I know this song. And then I saw their cover of Santana's Evil Ways. And there were a bunch of scenes from a movie in the music video. And then I realized it was, there was a lot of Robert Downey, young Robert Downey Jr. shots in it. And I figured out it was from a movie called Home for the Holidays. That sounds like something I remember you that. Watch. Um, yeah, I've never seen Home for the Holidays, but I remember it. But, it's no with honors, but yeah, <laughs> I'm glad you finally watched with honors. Uh, but I don't know. I maybe it's Dave Matthews band had a lot of hits, you know, a lot of songs that even the person in passing would know. But I kind of with Rusted Root, I kind of think it's like the average person is just going to know send me on my way and they might not even know that it's a band called Rusted Root. Yeah, I I think that there's also an element and maybe Jen or any of them. If they're listening to this, uh, this episode, I'd love to hear back from them. There are some bands that being the biggest band in the world is not what they ultimately want. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like I think that there are bands where it's like, hey, if we can get our music out there and the people who are into it are into it and that becomes our full-time gig, like that's more than enough. Whereas I do think that Dave Matthews band very much want it to be the biggest band in the world. And there's a lot of stuff you have to do where I'm sure to them, like you said, it's a business almost more than it's something fun that you're doing with your friends at a certain point. Sure. And you have to be built a certain way to be okay with what entails the difference between doing something fun that pays your bills 
and making it a full-time business or, <laughs> where you are going to sacrifice some of that enjoyment. I mean, Rusted Root did really well, or it could yeah. be it could be somewhere in between where it's like, yo, we're not trying to be mainstream, you know, number one hit big. We know what our niche is, and we're going to make music for the people that love us. We're going to play festivals. We're going to have a following much like a, a fish type following or whatever. Yeah. And we're happy with that. We're making money and we're doing things our way without having to play a lot of the industry games. Maybe that's it. You know, I mean, it, I'm going to bring up OAR one more time. The reason why is because I think OAR is a group that at one point really wanted to be one of the biggest bands in the world. And they made what is, I think their best selling album, but also the album that alienated most of their audience because they just went for a generic radio rock sound on that album. And the fans were like, nope, not into it. And then they revert it back to their normal sound afterwards. So I don't think Rusted Root ever did that. I think Rusted Root was like, this is what Rusted Root is. Yeah. We're not changing this for anything. Like, if this is what the radio wants to play, awesome. If the radio doesn't want to play this, we're still going to keep making this music because it's the music that we want to make. They stuck to their guns. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I could easily see a world where 1995, 96, 97, and the era of... I don't know why I think of that as like the friends era, but I just think that's <laughs> that's the vibe of the world is <laughs> like the friends television show where you could have stripped back. You could have had a producer say like, OK, chill on the penny whistle, a little bit less hand drums and just write a straightforward pop, you know, like radio pop song. And you guys could have, you know, a bunch more adult contemporary hits in this era and yeah i don't think rusted root would have wanted to do that i mean i don't know if i'm putting the, you know my own take on this but i just see that being the way it is you see it as the way on the way on the way on the way <laughs> hey uh, one more thing i want to note matt is that one of the influences now i i don't know if they call themselves world beat music that's kind of what wikipedia calls them it's like a blend of pop music with world music or traditional music uh but they cited a big influence um was tony childs who is an american singer who uses lots of african sounds in her work tony childs also had one you know billboard hot 100 hit and it was in 1988 a song called don't walk away which also went to number 72 that's where that's, it went. That's as far as we'll let World Beat go in this yes. in this great United States. World Beat cannot go past <laughs> number 72. Uh, so, you know, uh, Matt, if you could play a clip of Don't Walk Away, I'm sure everyone would be interested to hear what influenced this song a little bit. Before we go, I know you want a quick little quiz, don't you? Oh, I am always on board for a quick little quiz. Um, my quiz for you today, you're not going to get multiple choices. So, Oh, no. Okay. This, is, this is a true test of your wits, but I believe in you. You're going to get six questions, all, <laughs> all based on things that Send Me On My Way was used in. Okay. Okay? All right. I believe in this. You believe in yourself? 
Yeah, I believe in myself. Uh, of six questions, I think I'm gonna I'm gonna really bet on myself. I think I can get four of the six. Okay, I believe in you. I believe in you. All right, here we go. First off, we're gonna start with a Matilda question. When's the last time you saw Matilda? It's been a hot minute, but I watched it a lot. Okay. Who plays FBI agent Bob in Matilda? Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> I, I really thought the question was going to be who directed Matilda, and I was all going to be all excited to be like uh, Danny DeVito. Oh, it's wow. his only kids movie. Fuck. I remember that it was someone noteworthy, too. If you had, if multiple choice was on here, I would 1,000% get it, but off the top of my head... I cannot remember. You're going to send Bob. yourself on your way when I tell I'm you who sure it is. I'm sure I will. God damn it. Bubbity bubbity um. It was Paul Rubens. Paul Rubens. God damn it. <laughs> yeah. If you had given me multiple choice, I would have remembered that. Okay. Son of a bitch. All right. I got an Ice Age question for you. Okay. Here we go. Have you seen Ice Age? I have the first three on DVD. Of course Let's do you this. do. Of course you do. <laughs> who is the voice of the British accented weasel buck in Ice Age? Who the fuck is Buck? You're you're gonna kick yourself again if you don't get this one. I'm trying to think. There's got John Leguizamo's the the ferret. There's the the little like rat thingy that's constantly <laughs> trying to hide the nut, and that I'm pretty sure is Alan Tudyk. Who the fuck is Buck? I don't even know who Buck is. Ah, <laughs> damn. It's Simon right. Pegg. Oh shit. Hmm. That may have been in a later movie. Nah, it said in Ice Age. He's in several of the Ice Age movies, including <sighs> the first one. Damn. Do not, re- man. All right, I I had too much energy going in on you that. You claim to own the first three Ice Ages on DVD, and you don't know Simon Pegg is Buck. Come on, I man. don't. God damn it. Well, now I'm really in trouble because I was banking on those being the easy answers, yeah. and then. Pure luck for the other four. You're in trouble. I got a new girl question for you. Oh, God. Uh, All right. I've only watched the first three or four seasons thus far. So Okay. Then you'll be okay. New Girl's amazing, by the way. It's great. It's great. Amazing show. Which main character of New Girl didn't appear until the second episode by moving into the loft shortly after Jess does? Oh, Winston. You got it. Yeah. There you go, That's really weird because it was... (laughs) I mean, I love Winston yeah. and I love Coach, but that was like that really weird move of crap. We got to replace our black guy with a different yeah. black guy. Yeah, it was, <laughs> like, I, yeah. Like were people not paying? Hopefully, people weren't paying attention. But <laughs> you, I don't know if it happens yet. You know, Coach comes back, right? Yeah, that's what I mean. Coach comes back yeah. because Happy Endings got canceled way earlier than anyone expected. Oh uh, yeah, New Girls is so New Girls so much better than that show. Oh, I don't know. Happy Endings is really Kita. fucking funny. Kita. Um, all right. So you got one. You need to get the next three to, to reach match my prediction. Yeah. All right. You ready for this one? I'm ready. So we know Rusted Root did the Horde tour in 1996. Name one band that played the first Horde tour in 1992. 1992 Horde Music Festival. Um, can I ask a quick context question? Sure. The you listed a bunch of artists that were on the '96 one. Yep, is that the general vibe of all of the horde yeah. tours? Is like Come very on. like indie, indie folky type stuff. Yes, of okay. course. Okay, listen, I'm just trying to clarify. <laughs> um, all right, who would have been indie folky in '92? I'm gonna go with Indigo Girls. 
Ah, that's a good guess, but no. Sorry, Matt. <sighs> Who? Here was on there. Blues Traveler. God damn it. That was the other that's name so I was easy. thinking about. <laughs> you ready, ready to say God damn it again? Spin, Spin Doctors. Doctors. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Widespread Panic. Aquarium Rescue Unit. Ready to say God damn it again? Uh-huh. Fish. <laughs> and Bella Fleck. You know, the thing that's crazy with that one is that I, even though I know Fish has been around forever, I don't think I would have thought of them as a band that was around as early as 92. Oh, yeah. Like, like in my head, I would have thought that they were like a later 90s group for whatever reason. Nah. Um, yeah, no, Blues Traveler and Spin Doctors would have been a good call. Yeah. Okay. You could still get a respectable score. I got two questions left for you. Okay. Here we go. So Send Me On My Way was used in Twister. I assume you have Twister on DVD, right? I don't have Twister on DVD, but I do have the soundtrack to Twister. Okay. Name three cast members of the movie Twister. Okay. Okay. So <laughs> Philip Seymour Hoffman. Yep. Um, Bill Paxton. Yep. Okay. I was like, is it Pullman or Paxton? You got the right <laughs> like one. The, the, the big the big freeze there. Why am I blanking on who the female star is of that movie? Um oh my god. Wow. Oh, and he like, like the the bad guy the bad guys also God that is I'm taking a big swing here. Was Joey Pants in, in Twister? I don't think so, no. God damn it. No. Sorry, man. I don't know. See, I'm so tempted to just grab my phone and look, but I'm I'm <laughs> I'm failing fairly. I'm fairly. Yeah, you you, you can't cheat. <laughs> I know. Listen, we've done things where people cheated for sure. Yeah, I know. But here's, moving on. Here's more of the people you could have said: Helen Hunt, God, that's the oh, Carrie Elwes. I almost said that, and I was like, "There's no way Carrie Elwes is who plays the villain." Yeah, he does play the villain. Yep. Son of a bitch, Alan Ruck. Anthony right, Rapp the is in there. Jeremy Davies, Jamie Gertz, Todd Field, Wendell Josepher, Joey Slotnick, Sean Whalen, Alexa Pena Vega, Jake Busey, Gary England. I can't believe you oh, didn't well. get Helen Hunt. I could not for the I I wasn't even close to saying the words Helen Hunt. I think I was going to say like Jodie Foster yeah. <laughs> or something. Oh, no, God. No. Okay. All right. Let's just get this over with and give me the last one. All right. So, Send Me On My Way was used on the show Charmed at some point, okay? Okay. The theme song of Charmed is How Soon Is Now by the Smiths, but who performs the version on the show? I'm going to fuck up their name, but it's Love Spit something. Um, Love Spit Love? You got it. Love Spit Love? Nice job, man. That's pretty good. I've never watched Charmed in my life. I only know that because that's also the theme song to the movie The Craft. Okay. So, like, so for whatever reason, that cover of The Smiths was really big for being the theme song to which movies? Yeah, they, um, and they, and they, <laughs> they cover it verbatim. Like, oh, yeah. It it's just exactly a shorter like version. It. That's all it is. Yeah. That Love um, Spit Love Band, I guess I got to check them out a little more because they had a really good song on the Angus soundtrack. Yeah, they did. They did. Man, the Angus soundtrack rules. Yep, sure does. Uh, but how do we feel about Rusted Root, Matt? Oh, Thunder all the way. On the way. <laughs> all the way. <laughs> uh, I think I'm on my way to uh, give them a Thunder as well. They're my Pittsburgh brethren. And what this, is, and brothers this and is sisters. the first band we might be able to uh, 
actually physically hand them the certification. <laughs> yeah, we'll get it notarized <laughs> and hand it to them. Uh, yeah, I've played at events with members of Rusted Root. We do these Pittsburgh Plays things sometimes where it's people from all different bands get together and form bands. Like we did one for Tom Petty. We did one for Paul McCartney um, and several. Jim Donovan has been part of that before. Patrick, the bassist, has been part of it. I think Jen was part of it before. Uh, so... Yeah, I Jen's the one I've talked to the most. They all seem like cool people, and uh, this song is undeniable, man. This song, this song's a hit. If you can think of a more joyous tune than "Send Me on My Way," please let us know. Yeah, if you can think of a more joyous song than "Send Me on My Way," send it on our way. Yes. This has been One Hit Thunder. One Hit Thunder is hosted by Chris Fafalios of the band Punchline and produced by Matt Kelly of Geekscape.net. Underneath me, you're hearing Ghosty off the Punchline album Just Say Yes. Be sure to check out punchline.com for any upcoming news on the band. Our podcast is on Patreon now, so find us at patreon.com backslash OHT podcast for early access to episodes, bonus episodes, and a chance to vote on future songs that we cover. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to us on any podcasting app, and tune in next week for more One Hit Thunder. listening to the Geekscape Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. What's up, everyone? It's Joe, and I'm the host of That's Awesome with Joe, a podcast on the newly formed Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. I talk with tons of your favorite artists, managers, touring personnel, and more. Most of the time we talk about music, but lots of the time we end up talking about something completely unrelated. We laugh a lot. We do a lot of really stupid things, but also some things that are really informative and interesting. Basically, it's a podcast that I think you should listen to. Obviously, I'm biased because it's my podcast, but I think I might be into it if I wasn't the host. Check it out at SoundTalentMedia.com.